0: Well, hey, welcome to the Light Reading Podcast. I'm Jeff Baumgartner, a senior editor here at Light Reading, and I'm excited to be joined today by Fari Diner, the CEO of Plume, uh, one of the industry's key players in uh, whole home Wi-Fi and smart home services. And uh, Today, we're going to be chatting a bit about uh, Plume's position in the market. Uh, we're going to get an update on current trends and uh, maybe some hints about, you know, what's on the horizon for the company. So, uh, hey, thanks for joining us today, Farias. Good to see you, hope, hope you've been well.
1: I've been well, thank you, Jeff. Good to see you as, as always.
0: Yeah, so good. Well, before we um, kind of jump into current trends and so forth, um, I guess we have some, some technology adoption news to, to talk about, you know, with uh, Plume announcing, uh, That the company supports 20 million active households globally, and you're adding about 850,000 new home activations each month. So, uh, you know, with those numbers kind of leading us in, I was wondering if you can maybe discuss, you know, some of the implications of that, you know, for Plume, you know, in the industry, and maybe, you know, let us know a little bit about how much of that can be traced uh, to some of the trends you know, the trends driven by the uh, the pandemic, you know, that's caused, you know, millions to work in uh, school from home.
1: Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, Jeff, the number one implication is scale. Uh, when it comes to these cloud-managed, cloud-controlled solutions, we have learned over the years that getting these kind of uh, architectures to scale is actually a massive challenge. So we actually feel really good about our ability to see dynamically manage, optimize, fix, update, upgrade, etc. Twenty million homes today. That's growing fast. As you as you said, uh, we're gonna. You know, the the, the slope is actually accelerating. Um, we had about 5 million homes we were seeing in our in our network at the end of 2018 that became 13 million households uh, at the end of 19 now we're at about 20 you know maybe 21 22 by the end of the year and then it's, it should probably double um, at least next year um, scale we want and, and the art, the way we've architectured we, we have architected the, the, the platform it's really all designed for scale. People talk about scale in the context of enterprise networks and SDN. There, people are actually quite uh, happy when they get the scale of things that are men- measured on, in, the, in tens of thousands, of hundreds of thousands. We're talking millions, hundreds of millions uh, at some point. Um, so the cloud architect, so that's the number one implication. I have to say we have learned over the years. Um, you know, we've made our own mistakes as well. But scaling is probably the number one challenge, these uh, you know, global networks, because we're we're looking at many different cloud instances around the globe and we want to learn from all of them. Yeah. So that's and number much, one. In,
0: yeah. yeah. And I was just wondering in terms of the um, you know, the rate of growth, has, has the the pandemic had any influence on that, or you know, is it driven or has it just kind of been happening organically outside? you know, the you know, the,
1: the, uh, the factors of the pandemic? I really, I can't tell you that we have noticed a massive uptick because of the pandemic. It could be that we were growing fast anyway, and that the incremental sort of tailwinds that the pandemic provided hasn't really been noticed. One, one thing we did notice, though, is among our service provider customers, you know, we're adding a lot of customers. It's not just the, the households. The rate at which we're, we're adding customers have accelerated. And I think we've seen that as a as a result of the pandemic, perhaps, because um, some, you know, lots of, you know, small operators have been maybe thinking about this. It just sort of becomes a uh, kind of a priority for them. So that I think in terms of the number of customers, we're, we have about 140, 142 customers live today um, and, you know, across which we see, we see those uh, 20 million households that'll be 150 customers literally by the end of the year. And it might it will probably double, I'm guessing, by the end of next year. So um, that is definitely something that we're noticing. Uh, but in terms of the households lighting up, the devices connecting and so on, that's uh, the, the trend has been fairly consistent.
0: Um, yeah, another trend that kind of came up in your announcement was, uh, you know, seeing a, some of that growth has been fueled by some uh, independent, service providers, you know, kind of in that community with over, uh, excuse me, 80 customers in 2020 alone, you know, so far. So how are, how are you kind of defining that independent uh, group? I mean, is it just, you know, kind of generally, you know, the tier two, tier three guys?
1: I think the industry has some classifications of independence or tier one, tier two, tier three. We, from the plume perspective, we look at our customer base in two main buckets. Those that have Greater than one million broadband subscribers, right? And then the the smaller bucket is less than one million. So maybe if you want, you could think of the independents as less than one. I, I, but a lot of like operators in Europe that might have less than one million broadband subscribers, they are tier one operators by by way of the other uh, other mechanism. So that to us, sort of that that category of less than one, you know, fixed broadband operators, largely with less than 1 million broadband subs, that's the category that's growing the fastest um, okay. in terms of the, the number. And not surprisingly, because we also have very large customers, you know, Comcast, Charter, Liberty Global. Those are in the kind of the mega category, uh, and those kind of companies with, let's say, less uh, greater than 10, 12 million broadband subscribers, there are maybe 15 or 20 of them in the world. So that's been an important category for Plume because they have been some of our earlier customers. They have given us scale. <laughs> uh, they've given us credibility, right? Um, but then, of course, the, the, the main growth right now is among the, the, the smaller players. While, and I have to say, the existing customers are also growing. You know, we, we are, we, we look at the amount of money they're spending with us, the households live, etc. You know, over like an eight quarter period we see this unbelievable trend where they they go about the, these large customers are spending about three times eight quarters later than they were in the first quarter in which we engage with them. And then uh, the, the small ones are spending seven or eight times.
0: Okay. And if you boil it down further, right? Um, now that you're seeing kind of the independent group uh, kind of helping to accelerate growth, is there a particular, uh, uh, Or kind of where are you seeing the most pickup these days? Is it coming from uh, the cable operators? Uh, Are you seeing fixed wireless, you know, jumping on there? Is it telcos or has it been pretty, you know, steady across, you know, all the different types of ISPs, you know, no matter whatever access technology that's bringing, you know, service into the home?
1: I'd break it down to four categories. Cable, you know, your MSOs, telcos, you know, fixed line telcos. MNOs, mobile operators, uh, we're we're seeing more uptick from there. And finally, uh, kind of a new category in this, uh, you may even think of it as a separate category, but I'm kind of lumping it up for for the purpose of this discussion, are utilities. Uh, Particularly in places like Europe, a lot of utilities who have right-of-ways and where the fiber networks have opened up but these guys have right-of-ways and they're bringing fiber and they're looking for additional revenue and, and so on. I think that's going to be an interest. It's, it's It's few right now, I have to admit, but I believe in the upcoming years, utilities deploying fiber, uh, or some of them are de- uh, leveraging their existing customer relationships and going and leasing fiber capacity from many of the governments in Europe are opening. In the U.S., we're a little bit, I think, slower in this context, but in Europe, many countries have opened up the, the old fiber network. So you can literally go get, you buy ethernet ports, or you can buy, you know, fiber access to the home. So I think the utilities are, we're seeing some momentum there as well. Uh, so I would say those four categories, you know, your cable, MNOs, telcos, and utilities. All
0: right. Great. And in your announcement, you know, outside of adoption, uh, just from you know, broad level. You also provided an an update on OpenSync, right? Noting that more than, you know, 23 million access points with OpenSync have been deployed. So, you know, I thought it'd be good to kind of expand a little bit about what OpenSync is, you know, as an open source platform and how, you know, it's different or has connections to projects like uh, Purple or RDKB, you know, because I think uh, we hear open source and we kind of tend to throw everything in one bucket. So, you know, right. how, how do they relate?
1: Yeah. Um, OpenSync, I would say, is probably the most important element that's contributing to Plume's growth. Right, so that is the device level software. It, we, we actually think of it as a silicon to cloud framework because it's very cloud friendly. It's a, It's a modern framework. That enables any access point it could be a service provider gateway or a, or a mesh node or any other access point to talk to the plume cloud the interfaces from open sync are also open which means anybody can literally write their own cloud against OpenSync, if you will uh, in a way we've even uh, sort of enabled let's say our competitors you could go you know build your own cloud talk to open sync so Plume's cloud only speaks to an OpenSync-enabled CPE, right? But any OpenSync-enabled CPE can talk to Plume Cloud or other clouds. So that's the uh, that's the thing. Um, OpenSync is a modern protocol. Uh, we have used technologies like OVS, Open Virtual Switch, that literally takes the access point and turns it into a switch, rather than you know your your cable gateway or cable modem used to be the end of the network. Now your devices, our laptops and your doorbells and cameras are the end of the network. So with OpenSync, we're saying, look, the network doesn't end at the gateway. That's just another control point, right? So that's a very important element. You wanna turn all of these gateways into a switch that's cloud controlled
0: So are you um, agnostic then to, yeah, to like uh, RDKB or Purple? It's like, it doesn't really matter to you as much or at all?
1: They do matter. Um RDKB, for example, we have built OpenSync on top of an RDKB stack. Right. So if you're using RDK on the on the lower layers, you can you can use OpenSync still for certain applications. So we've done that with our partners like Comcast and so on. They've been kind of been the father of, of RDK, right? OpenSync can also work on top of OpenWRT. Um, OpenSync also can work natively, in other words, without RDK or um, OpenWRT. That is really the most modern implementation, and probably the customer that has taken the lead in that is Charter. Charter is, is building their, has built their entire infrastructure natively on OpenSync, which has the benefits of a lot of these old protocols and technologies. Think of TR69, your ACS and all of that. Those are archaic solutions. They're gone. Right, when you, uh, but again, industry will evolve, right? It's not just sort of overnight, you know, our, our industry doesn't change very fast. So OpenSync is not, you know, if people have bet on an RDK infrastructure, they can still benefit from OpenSync, maybe not at 100%, or, or somebody might say, I'm doing OpenWRT based stuff. We would recommend, of course, selfishly, that if you want the fastest growing, the most flexibility and, and the best performance, um, you know, you might want to use OpenSync natively, but you know, that's that's evolving. But I think that native implementation is uh is is going to grow very fast. And I I anticipate we'll have more open enabled CPEs uh, than any other, including RDK, um, you know, RDK native. Um probably in about a year. I, I predicted this a while ago, and I'm still holding to my prediction that in about a year or so, probably OpenSync will be the largest framework. And it's the most mod- it's, the, it's the latest generation. It's the most modern. It's, uh, it uses MQTT, for example, to talk to clouds. It's a lot of these IoT-type protocols are, are included. And the, the thing that I want to point out is OpenSync is no longer plume, right? People associated with us. But right. we've open sourced it. It's free. Yeah. It's kind of like what Comcast did. We're saying, look, it's, it's out to the community. A lot of people are adopting it. There will be different implementations as well of OpenSync over time. But it's no longer Plume. We open sourced it in, uh, in the end of uh, October of 2018. And I think that was the best decision we've made because it, it's accelerating our growth. But like I said, anybody who has an access point, whether it could be retail uh, access points or service providers, I would just, you know, put OpenSync in it. It doesn't have to use the Plume Cloud, right? So you could. Uh, so we're, we're hoping that the industry will.
0: Uh... All right. Well, let's let's talk some bigger picture then. Um, outside of general adoption, you know, heading into you know 2021's right around the corner. What what's going to be your uh, you know biggest priority and uh, challenge heading into the new year? I mean, is it still All about uh, scale I mean continuing to build that or is there something else that's kind of front-burner for the company heading into next year
1: a couple of things for next year so number one is going to be scale so we have a very clear land expand and extend strategy so when we land in a geography right we have often landed with some of the larger Leading operators, uh, as I mentioned, that that gives us the credibility, and then it, uh, you know, we uh, we we ent- we, we, land, we tend to expand from there. Our contracts are getting longer as people see the value of this because we give people better pricing and so on as they commit to Plume for the longer term. Um, we have landed in three main geographies, and I believe in you know we're also a very opportunistic company and we're we're fast on our feet, but. I think 2021 will largely be around growth in North America, where we've landed nicely, both in the US and Canada. In Europe, we've landed in the Western Europe and and we're expanding. So there's plenty of white space opportunity, we like to say, in Europe, in another geography that we've landed in with Liberty Global and Vodafone Spain and and, and so on. And then in Japan, uh, we landed in Japan with JCOM, the largest cable company there. Uh, JCOM is also, uh, syndicating the plume solution to hundreds of small cable companies in Japan. So those we have global aspirations, Jeff, you know this. Uh, we're an aggressive company, but you're asking about 2021. Growing heavily in those geographies in 2021 will, will give us plenty of things to do. Beyond that, we're innovating on the product dimension. So um, we cut our teeth early on two, three years ago about Wi-Fi. We talk about Wi-Fi a little less these days we expanded into pretty, pretty advanced parental controls and access controls. We acquired a company today, which you may have heard, um, that, that that's going to help us in that domain a little bit more. We're really leaning into our security, uh, motion and you know, and, and so on. So there are many new product innovations coming from the residential side. And then we have one surprise for, uh, for 2021, where we're expanding into a, a, another market segment, so it's going to be scaling in the geographies and adding product dimensions, both on the residential and other. Uh,
0: well, let's yeah, let's talk about M and A, right? Yeah, because you, you mentioned the acquisition, um, walleye Networks, right? So um, expand a bit on what what they kind of bring to the table. You know, um, you know, what are the, what are they bringing that you didn't have? And you know, are you going to look at M and A? Other opportunities in MA to kind of help fill gaps or maybe generate some new, you know, growth areas to pursue.
1: Sure, um, WallEye brings us a tremendous amount of uh, subject matter expertise in network intelligence, uh, more granular ways of theme- seeing things, uh, both for networking and security purposes. It's a small team, but a very talented team with whom we've had a long-standing relationship. So we're we're uh, Quite excited about this. We will be growing uh, in that region as well uh, together with the walleye uh, folks, so we expect to have... Plume has a fairly significant presence on the software side, like the particular device software side, in in places like Slovenia, in Ljubljana, in uh, in Poland, so Canada will become another um, engineering sort of R&D center for us, which we're going to lean into uh, pretty heavily. There's a number of reasons and good subject matter expertise. Um, That's one. Um, <clears throat> beyond that, M&A will be a part of our strategy in 2021. We, we plan on making more acquisitions of similar type. I'm not sure that we'd be going after revenue acquisition. Um, that's growing quite fast. We're, we're, um, but we, um, as a company with very high gross margins, as a cloud-based solution, that gives us the flexibility to uh, invest heavily in opex both not only in sales and marketing but also in in R&D. I want to remain as an r d heavy company because part of growth dimension is not just scaling the pro- with the products you have but inventing new products and keeping a market leadership from a technology perspective so i expect us to continue um uh, an, an MA, maybe even accelerate an mna um, sort of set of activities in 2021
0: Okay. And I want to talk a little bit about the kind of the the state of competition right now in your market. I mean, we saw uh, just some recent news was the proposed combination of Zoom uh, telephonics and Minim, you know, to kind of create a company with both what they're calling like hero hardware and and some home network security and management uh, software, you know, so that's one thing that we're keeping an eye on. But uh, I mean, what do you feel about the, you know, the current state of competition out there? And, and, you know, what are you doing or what do you think you can continue to do to kind of differentiate a, in a market that really, you know, has had, you know, has never had as much choice, you know, available?
1: Right. Um, I see competition in two dimensions. Um, one is uh, sort of your your go-to-market channel. Uh, Plume from day one has focused on partnering with ISPs or CSPs we're referring to them now, it's not just internet right, um, so that's one dimension uh, or you could go, we could have chosen to go direct to consumer right, There's a—I believe there's a big business to be built there, but I believe a lot of the larger players are definitely on that, you know, that like the big tech whether it's the Amazons and Googles of the world and so on, everybody's interested in landing in the living room and and taking control of it for a number of reasons, so I see the CSPs in, in more of a Let's say a defensive position in that they have to defend their turf. They have an unfair advantage in that they're already there and they control the router, which gives them the visibility to devices and so on, which we think is a competitive advantage. But long way of saying, you know, the, the the modern big tech is coming into this. Plume is a is is we can play with both of them, and we do. So there's a number of initiatives on on, on both sides. Uh, so that's one dimension. Are you going after the the, the CSP channel? Uh, I believe 80% of people in North America sort of prefer to get their communication-related services from their good old ISP. Uh, In places like Europe and Japan, we're seeing that propensity is even higher, maybe 90% or more. But when you consider there's 1.2 billion or so household in the world, if you were to say, look, those 20% of the people, they're not insignificant. Right, um, and of course that might grow over time as as products become more and more innovative and and, and exciting. So that's one dimension. So we see ourselves really not in the the service the uh, sorry, in the re- retail direct to consumer side at this point, more on focused on the CSP channel. Uh, so there, then you when you go to that part, then there's kind of I, I see competition in two ways. There's the platform solutions like Plume. It's a Entire the whole thing is about the cloud control plane. There's a device level software, and then we serve many, many applications, if you will, or services inside the suite. Like our, our residential suite is called Home Pass. Inside that, you have something called Adapt, which is the, the Wi-Fi adaptive management thing, control, security, motion, etc. Our customers are picking plume uh because of the entire platform element, because in their world. As voice, video, and data that triple play unbundles, right? People are looking for more services to provide inside the home. That's the thing that's going to create stickiness for them because the, basically a lot of their triple play customers are becoming single play customers now. In Comcast, for example, if you look at their data, something very interesting happened in the third quarter of 2019. Triple, single play customers as of 3Q of 2019 are the biggest cohort now among their you know, single, double, triple, quad play, right? So the problem with, with going single play is you're looking at uh, you know higher churn rates and all of that. So you need to offer new services. So we think the smart home is the number one category people are looking at. Um, so in that context, from a competition perspective, then you say, well, what is, the, what is the winning strategy for that? I believe the winning strategy moving forward in the home is all about introducing new services or new applications faster than their competitor. Because the world is no longer about feeds and speeds. It's not, differentiation is no longer about how big the pipe is. right? Pipes are really big now. Differentiation is starting to become its price. And that's, a, that's not a good scenario, is you know. You see what I mean? So in that case, in that scenario, people who will win are the ones who can actually innovate and introduce new products faster than their competitors. And for that reason, a platform approach that's very flexible, that can curate and deliver and manage and support and optimize and fix these services from the cloud are are much more valuable. So as a platform player, frankly, at this point, platform player serving the CSP ecosystem, I believe Plume is the only solution today. There are a lot of point solutions. Uh, There are companies who specialize on security. There are companies who specialize on Wi-Fi management. Uh, There are companies who specialize on Mesh networking and, and all of that. Those are point solutions. Uh, we see them as competitors. But the reason we often get selected, and proof is in the pudding with our you know customer count, is that people are not choosing Plume because we're the cheapest solution. I have to tell you, oftentimes we win and we're the most expensive solution. So if you're just int- trying to introduce one very narrow point product or point solution, Plume may not be your answer. But if you're looking for investing in a platform that can continue a competitive differentiation moving forward because you will be able to innovate and offer new sticky services faster than your competitors, then you come to So I know it was a long-winded answer, but that's the way we see the world from a competitive perspective.
0: Yeah. And let me ask you one last question, um, because, you know, we've talked about this before, kind of through the, the evolution of the company, you know, and since you are focused on. CSPs and kind of a platform strategy. Um, where, where does hardware kind of fit into your uh, path forward? You know, do, I mean, do you still create reference designs and sell hardware products in kind of a limited fashion or, you know, have you, have you gotten, are you are you not in that business anymore?
1: We, we still create hardware designs, which we license to the OEM and ODM ecosystem. And we enable that OEM and ODM's ecosystem, not only to manufacture the hardware, but we enable them to sell directly to ISPs, right? So Plume today sells no hardware. We're not- You're out of that business. We innovate, we have a very capable hardware team. Uh, You've seen our hardware designs. They're beautiful. They're very high performance. Consumers uh, really love them, but we don't sell them. We license them to, we have number of uh, licensed people who have licensed it. Um, In one instance, we've even licensed it to one of our major customers. Um, And people, Plume doesn't want to be in the flow because I see hardware as not the product. I see hardware as cost of acquiring a customer. It's an enabler. I do not want hardware revenues. Hardware revenues are not valuable revenue, if you know what I mean. Uh, So there's plenty of people who know That they're in that world, they're living on a 15 or 20% gross margin and fighting for every penny and worrying about the pallet size of shipments so they can be, you know, they can save three cents. Not our world, right? But we, our team has done a good job, I believe, in hardware. We will continue. We're investing. We're growing our hardware team as well. But that's for the sole purpose of designing, market leading, leading, innovating hardware, which we will continue to license To the ODM and OEM ecosystem. Um, And then the important point there is Plume shouldn't be in the middle, because if I'm in the middle, I'm going to try to make some money. I'm saying, look, ODMs and OEMs, you can sell directly to ISPs. They have the benefit of getting the hardware at the lowest cost possible. right? And we have the benefit of having a broad set of uh, hardware that's uh, enabled by OpenSync. But again, to offer Plume services, I don't need Plume hardware. Uh, Any device that's OpenSync enabled is is playing ground for us. So our services are completely decoupled from the hardware, and we're hardware agnostic. When people deploy Plume hardware, we like it because we yeah yeah. Yeah, I mean, when people deploy Plume hardware, it makes us feel good. We like it. Uh, It you know, it's a piece of hardware we know and love, but it's not a requirement.
0: Okay, great. Well, thank you for your. uh for joining us today, Fari, and uh, you know, providing all your insights. Uh, we appreciate you being our guest today. And I'd like to thank everyone out there for joining us for uh, today's po- uh, podcast. We hope everyone is uh, uh, being safe and healthy and we hope to get, uh, get a chance to see you all soon.
1: So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for taking the time as well.
0: Sure thing.